Welcome back to Meet Us in Paris podcast. This podcast is about all things travel, be it destinations, food, having an amazing time, or what to pack for your next trip. With me today are my co-hosts, Kristen and Zen. Hey ho. <laughs> hey ho. <laughs> hello, hello. Hi. Hey ho. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all righty. So last week we did a podcast on our favorite spooky state side urban legends that you can tell around the campfire for Halloween and we had so much fun scaring the dick dickens out of each other <laughs> we've decided to do it again but this week we've got a little twist um, so while Halloween is more or less an American thing there are spooky legends and lore all around the world so today we're following up with international spooky legends um, but before we start a word from our sponsor Meet Us in Paris is sponsored by the University of California, Irvine, Division of Continuing Education. Do you have an educational goal? At UCI DCE, we're here to help. With over 60 certificate programs available, we've helped over a quarter million students reach their goals, and we can help you reach yours too. You can find us at ce.uci.edu. Dream big, take risks, be amazing. Okay, so you guys know the drill. Tell us where your story comes from and your legend. I will go first. Uh, my urban legend is from Vietnam because that is where my family is from. As I was like reading or researching, I guess Zen did the researching, but as I was reading Zen's research, uh, I've actually never heard of really any spooky stories or ghost stories or legends really for, about Vietnam. So this was fun on my end just to learn uh okay so the one i went with is called um it's about this creature called the batutut batutut it's spelled b-a-t-u-t-u-t um and in vietnamese it's called which means basically jungle people but there's a lot of like Mm. there's we're not sure based on (laughs) i guess research there's (laughs) there's people who are like the Batutut are the same as the jungle people. Like there's multiple of them and they're interchangeable in the way you call them. Or there's only one Batutut and then the jungle people are completely different. Huh. I don't know, <laughs> obviously, which one is true and which one is not because it is folklore. <laughs> yes. Uh, but the Batutut is basically their version of Bigfoot. Ah, so, oh, okay. Yeah. So they, again, the the description is very, they're, they're either three feet tall or they're seven feet tall. Who knows? What? <laughs> yeah, that's a big, big range. That's a big range. You're either yeah. like a dwarf or they're yeah. <laughs> a big foot. Basketball yeah. players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're this human, it's their Bigfoot. So it's like a humanoid ape creature um, that lives in the jungle, hence jungle people. Um, and they're said to be covered in a lot of hair, except on their hands face and knees that's kind of like bigfoot right yeah uh-huh <laughs> it's okay. like the same thing okay and then their hair is the hair is either gray brown orange or black there's so many things that there's so many different ways people described him <laughs> so i don't know if you would see one if you know that's pituitude or not um but <laughs> or there's Nick so- Nolte. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, there have been sightings. There's two that have been like more heavily documented. So, in 1947, there's a French colonist who supposedly sighted 
this jungle person, and he described it as neither an animal nor a monkey, but a tall, wild man who walks upright, eats fruits, insects, whatever he can catch, and that's about like that was his whole like encounter with this Bigfoot. Um, and then also, side note, I guess a lot of tribes um, have banned. Oh, not all of them. The, all the tribes have banned this creature from their tribe, but have embraced <laughs> monkeys for some reason. I don't know the connection. Who knows? But they have a very formal ban against this yes. creature. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And then in 1982, the next kind of recording of it, there was a Vietnamese professor who supposedly took uh, was able to take plaster casts of the footprint. But when he described the footprint, he was just like, it's slightly wider than an average man's foot, and the toes were slightly longer. Oh my gosh, so it was just uh, off the, like, normal charts, like... Slightly. <laughs> yes. Slightly An larger outlier than average foot. foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have and you heard about the legend of the slightly larger than sorry, average foot? foot? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and then he kind of just, like is around in the jungle i mean like the legend is obviously he's bigfoot he hasn't he's been sighted these two times but who knows if you've actually sighted him because of all the different versions of him um but supposedly if they're pretty like hostile towards humans probably why they were banned from all the tribes um and so if you just walk by them they could throw rocks at you immediately and some even claim that the batuta tears out human livers very specifically human livers huh okay okay yeah. um, so if you yeah. like wait never mind i was gonna say if you don't have a liver would he but you can't live without liver it's a kidney no, the, it's kidney you can live without you, okay never well, mind. no 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 you you can't live without a kidney but you happen to have two of them right that's what i mean like you <laughs> don't have liver. never mind but, okay yes all right uh, yeah the slightly larger than average size foot. Yeah, man. From Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. Of Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, heck, I'm going to run off, run with it. Um, actually, Kristen, I'm going to need your help here. This is a French name, and it's L apostrophe A-N-K-O-U. Sorry, sorry. I'm, Do that again. L, L. apostrophe a N K O U. How would I pronounce that? Lanku? 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 It sounds like a borrowed word. It doesn't sound like it's an actual French. L apache A N K O U. Yeah. Lanku? I guess, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I never so, heard of it. <laughs> so this is actually, I, it's because we're meeting us in Paris, we, I thought we should do one on France. And this is a, um, I guess it's kind of a Celtic mythology. Um, French, and um, it is, I think, for, as far as I can tell, it's like their version of the Grim Reaper. Okay. Yeah, and this character is tall, um, wears a very long dark coat. Does he have um, a slightly bigger footprint? No, but he has a slightly <laughs> larger than average brimmed hat. Does oh, that yes, yes. <laughs> does. So unlike the Grim Reaper that usually is wearing a hoodie. Yeah. You know, like, like an <laughs> HD hoodie. Mm -hmm. um, this guy wears a wide brimmed hat, but he also carries the scythe. 
So that's interesting that okay. it parallels with the Grim Reaper. He carries a scythe over his shoulder. Um, he's also um, kind of tall, skeletal, thin, and also, like the Grim Reaper, is the collector of souls. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, along with him, often, um, depending on the story that you're listening to, he will also have two helpers. Um, they are skeleton helpers who will help him <laughs> when assisting... Um, putting the dead people into um, a car, a cart um, that he has. And his cart is, you know, it's a big, apparently it's kind of decrepit kind of cart, but it's drawn by two horses. So kind of a version of, um, you know, the grim reaper, but this is the story I thought was interesting was that one you know, this is a this is the legend and lore is that there was a bunch of friends who were going out drinking one night, um, and after they leave the tavern, they're walking down a large, long, dark, um, dark dirt road, and they come across an old man reading this description um, on a on the in a black old cart, and of course, um, guys being guys. Two of them are just horsing around and they're being stupid and they take a bunch of old rocks and, and they're throwing them at this old guy on a cart and, you know, and they eventually end up breaking um, his cart. Unfortunately. Oh no. And then after they broke the cart, of course being drunk, they ran off into the, uh, into the darkness. Um, The third friend who didn't participate in this you know, he's like, that's, that's terrible. Didn't participate. He felt bad. So, um, he went and helped fix the cart. Um, so he found some branches from local trees. Um, he then also, you know, he, he's like, how do I bind this? And took his shoes and removed the shoelaces and eventually was able to cobble together, um, the axle and the wheel back together. So unbeknownst to him, Laanku, could go along his um, not so merry way, I guess. So the story is the next morning, the two friends who had thrown the stones at the cart were found dead. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And the third guy who had helped um, and helped fix the cart was spared by him and had his hair turned white. And he would never talk about um, the details of his experiences. But, of course, how do we know the story? (laughs) How do we know about the story? So the question is, were these three drunken guys in the night supposed to meet some kind of doom and die accidentally because they're drunken out in the middle of the road? And then they they encountered the um, death. And one was so nice that death decided to spare him, you know, even though it was his time to go. Interesting, huh? Quite. It is. Some final (laughs) destination stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow we always end up in final destination. (laughs) I guess so. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll take us down south to Argentina. Um, Why Argentina? 
I I just I just love Argentina. I don't know. <laughs> I love okay. that country. Um, so I was just interested to see if they have any. I mean, everyone has some ghost stories or lore, but wanted to learn yeah. more about that. So theirs is essentially the Lady in White, um, La Dama de Blanco. Um, and this story is from the Recoleta Cemetery, which is in Buenos Aires. Um, so this story goes that a young man met a beautiful girl dressed in white at the corner of Vicente Lopez and Escuenaga. This is me trying to speak Spanish. <laughs> um, this is essentially the, the um, intersection where the cemetery is located. Um, and he took her out on a date. And during the night, the girl felt so cold that the gentleman gave her his jacket and she then spilled some drink on it. So very relatable date for all of us, I guess. <laughs> um, these are very interesting specifics of this story. I like it. Um, anyways, the next day when the young man went home to get his jacket, he met the girl's mother who told him that the girl he was looking for had actually passed away a long Ooh. time ago and that she was buried in the Recoleta Cemetery. Mm. Mm. So he couldn't believe it. So he went to the cemetery and he found his drink stained jacket draped over the crypt with the girl's name on it. What? And the young man went mad or killed himself. <laughs> One or the other. <laughs> um, and this alleged lady, they have some specifics on her. She was called Luz Maria Garcia Veloso. And she was only 15. Uh, when she died from leukemia and that was in 1925 um, and she has a tomb at the cemetery so you can actually go find this um, it says it's close to the entrance on the right side of the main path um, and there's actually a slightly different version of this story I kind of like that one better <laughs> but this one <laughs> just says that um, young men have claimed that they're seduced by a pretty blonde lady in all white at that street corner Um and after a night of romance, they say goodbye. And then the men um, would follow her and find her returning to the cemetery and disappearing while walking among the tombstones. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So my only question is because the story starts on their, their date. Um, this man like meets this girl at the corner and they go on a date, but I'm sure they met before that <laughs> and arranged to have a date and went to pick her up. So my question is also like when and where he first found her and how that all worked. But um, this is a tomb in that cemetery that you can go find and supposedly she could seduce you. <laughs> so beware. <laughs> I, th I think lots of the spookiest stories are the ones that have some you know, just like a lie has some basis in truth. Yeah. And the fact that there's actually a tombstone right. of someone that they're attributing it to, that's that's the spooky part, I think. And so. what's crazy is this picture that I'm seeing of the tomb, it is like, um, it's almost like those ones you see like in European cathedrals where it's flat and then they have like a carving on top. So it's like a carving oh. of a young woman laying on top of this tombstone or on the tomb like all in white also so it's almost like you she's right there like you can see her so it's even more creepy wow yeah all but right. she seems Ugh. pretty harmless she just wants to yeah. you know she was only 15 she wanted to go on a date or two she wants to experience yeah life. life yeah good for her still getting out there <laughs> at least she's not like 
killing people or anything like that. She's just yeah. like going on dates and yeah. then and driving them <laughs> mad. Yeah. I mean, she just ruined their jackets, but yeah. we've all done that. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a fun one in Argentina. If you find yourself in Buenos Aires, check out the Recoleta Cemetery. Very cool. Okay. I'm going to take us back to Europe, um, to Switzerland, because I love Switzerland and I was there. Mm. It's been over a year since I was last there. But it feels uh, like a decade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I actually have two. There's one actual one and there's like one small one that I just want to like talk about real quick. <laughs> so um, the first one, I'll do the quick one first. So in Switzerland, they, I guess Switzerland originated not originated this legend of the basilisk originated from switzerland according to this article that we found um so going back to i always connect everything back to harry potter as i did this time (laughs) (laughs) nice yeah, the puck uh, okay. <laughs> Yes. So, like, in Harry Potter, a basilisk, according to that story, is just this huge, gigantic serpent that's, like, 20 feet long or something like that, maybe even more, and it slithers through, like, the castle, and it can kill you if you look directly into its eyes. Mm-hmm. And then the students in Harry Potter, if you don't know, they, like go through their second year getting there's a couple of them who get petrified um because they don't look this basilisk straight in the eye but they look through like other means like through reflection or like through a mirror or something so that's how they get Mm -hmm. petrified so that's what i always thought a basilisk was i just thought it was this huge serpent that could either kill you if you look directly or petrify you if you Mm -hmm. look at it indirectly but according to the swiss legend uh, a basilisk actually turns anyone who looks at them into stone so it's kind of like killing them but also petrifying them at the same time but it doesn't have to be a snake right it's not a snake it has oh that's the that's the most important part i forgot (laughs) okay so the way a basilisk comes to be is that it's hatched from egg an egg that was laid by a rooster um from like (laughs) But, like, the the thing that makes it a snake is that the egg was laid on a dung pile made by serpents. But isn't it already a mistake because roosters don't lay eggs? Yes, it's all a mistake. (laughs) It's all illogical. Okay, I gotta say, you learned all your mythology from Harry Potter. I I learned all mine from Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) And so so the the description of the basilisk that you're talking about more closely resembles the Dungeons and Dragons basilisk. I believe it. But the thing is, okay, so they still have, like... It's weird. Okay, so all the ways that it comes to be is, like, that makes sense, quote-unquote. But the way that it, like, after it hatches, it supposedly has a head of a rooster, and then the tail, this is literally, I just took it straight word for word, the (laughs) tail and wings of a large serpent. And I... The head (laughs) of a rooster. Yeah, I don't know where the wings came from. That was the part that I was very confused about. Well, I mean, a dragon technically can fly, right? So that's like a serpent with wings. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'll 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 take that. But Uh, I'm confused because Medusa she turned people to stone, right? Right. So was she born of a rooster? Had something to do with? I don't know. You know, I don't know. But another interesting fact that wasn't included in Harry Potter is that it has poisonous breath. That doesn't kill you, but it will make you sick. Huh, how sick? 
Yeah. Like, are we talking? <laughs> Unclear. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that was my like quick fun mm-hmm. one. Um, the actual one that I found more interesting is called um, also obviously from Switzerland. It lives in the Swiss Alps um, between Fran- France and Switzerland, and it's called the Barbigazi. Uh, which roughly translates, I think, from French um, into frozen beards because hmm. they are, Barbagazi are these little gnomes that are just Aww. a little taller than a foot Aww. and they weigh about five pounds. They're really cute. How cute! <laughs> I like and, it already. Yes. And they live, they can only exist and live in the high altitudes and super low temperatures. So that's why they live in the Alps. And um, the frozen beards name comes from the fact that they have these long beards that are super thick and look like icicles. Mm. Um, And then another fun fact, they have enormous feet. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, but yeah, so these gnomes, they live in the Alps, they hibernate during summer, and then they become active during winter, especially during blizzard season, because that's when they thrive in the cold weather. Um, and it's said that they enjoy riding avalanches. Hmm. Um, so you can, if you see them, you're, they're probably like skating down um, avalanches, but they're also very friendly and they will, they're Aww. said to um, whistle or like give a warning to humans of coming avalanches. But these whistles are often mistaken for like animal calls or like wind. So I don't know how helpful they are. Oh, uh, yeah. They try. Uh, <laughs> and they have no- been known to, if people do get trapped under an avalanche, they'll help them like dig them out. And they'll even herd lost sheep back to their owners. Wow. Uh, Why are these guys more popular? <laughs> and then uh, last thing is that obviously because they only live in the high altitude and low temperatures, they don't survive. Um, oh, sorry. There have been mountaineers that claim to have like captured them, the <laughs> Barbagazi, but they don't survive because they can't. They've been like taken out of their climate, so they cannot survive. You can't do that. That's what makes them mad at us and be evil. Leave them alone. <laughs> I feel like Disney needs to add some of them to the Matterhorn. Like yes. how cute oh, would yeah. that be? <laughs> I, that's what I was like. I was like, is the is what is he's not called Bigfoot? Um, Harold. Harold, yeah, the Yeti. Harold the Yeti. Yeti. Yes, I was looking to see if the Yeti was like part of the lore. The abominable snowman. He has a name in Disneyland. Yeah. Yes. Harold. I didn't know that. (laughs) But I think Yeti and Bigfoot and the abominable snowman are all kind of in the same family. Yeah, I mean they're all. You know. I mean, we just learned about another one this morning. So right, yeah. So there's the jungle version. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Because I think yetis are actually, I think of it as like a Tibetan mythology. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. So it's funny how everything mixes together. Yeah. Or or they're a, they're a cooler, for that matter. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I got another one. The other one, uh, so I already went with France, so um, I will do something on Taiwan. So, Taiwan, um, apparently, I did not know this. My family is Taiwanese, but I didn't grow up in Taiwan. I was born and raised in the United States. And uh, 
So one of the things about Taiwanese is apparently you don't speak essentially ill of the dead or you don't talk about dead in the negative ways. So they sure. don't actually have a lot of stories, um, unlike lots of other cultures, um, that are scary stories about dead things. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the mythology that are scary is kind of like newer and it's based off of, um, so it's newer, um, we'll call it Gen X kind of stuff. Okay. <laughs> As opposed to something that's long, old and traditional, like the one that we're talking about from France. Um, so this one actually is a um, story about, um, it is called, it's about a little girl in red. And actually it's interesting because they actually made um a series of horror films in Taiwan recently on this, apparently. And it's the little girl in red. Um, the movie was called the tag along and it's about a family um, who goes into, um, uh, they go to a hiking, tr- they go uh, on a hiking trip and it's in the mountains of Daking uh, mountain in Taichung. And um, it was just like a video. And these, the family actually, takes a lot of super eight film footage of their trip. So um, this must be obviously in the seventies or sixties. Okay. So they take a lot of video footage, video footage, movie footage. It's not video. And um, they come back from their trip and um, they develop all the film. Ah, back when you developed film. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when you developed film. I mean, and the thing is, it didn't have sound, and you had to put it in a, you know, can you know, put it into a projector and stuff like that. Right. And as they view their vacation, um, they find in all their footage somewhere in the background is a little girl dressed in red, <laughs> and this is a family hiking on their own taking footage of their own hike. And whenever they start looking at the footage somewhere in the background, there's always a little girl dressed in red. And, um, and so apparently, um, apparently they believe. So now Taiwan, the mythology is based off of, there are mountain gremlins. Ah, yes. Okay. (laughs) Cute. Mountain gremlins. And the, the story of the mountain gremlins are the mountain gremlins are always nice and they're kind and gentle wood folk. But this is the only one of the few known corrupt ones uh, that are de- demonic in nature. And apparently um, when they came back um, after they saw the foot, Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I believe the father died suddenly after suddenly after the trip back from the woods. So, um, so now people are, when they go up to the woods, apparently um, they actually, lots of people see it, see this demonic wood troll or whatever you want to call it. And this footage actually exists. And apparently it's on YouTube. 
Whoa. What? Yeah. So if you if you Google it and you look it up, apparently some footage of this is exists and is on YouTube. So that's another and 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 also there was a lot of talk about this on Taiwan News. So every once in a while it comes up and then you'll see a bunch of news shows about oh there's a, essentially it's like a book Bigfoot sighting, right? Yeah. So a Yeti sighting or a Bigfoot sighting and it will come up on Taiwanese news. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting story about this little girl in red who will follow you on your trips through the woods. Huh. And now with everyone with iPhones. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me take us just a little ways away, a little further north to Japan, where they have the complete opposite um, social pressure to not talk about dead people. They love <laughs> ghost stories. <laughs> oh, no kidding. Oh, my gosh. And when I thought, I love Japan, I'm going to look into Japan. I forgot that they are like horror masters yes, and how much there right. was. <laughs> totally forgot. And I'm not a horror person. Um, I almost had <laughs> a panic attack. When I was in college, um, they made us watch The Ring in one of my <laughs> English classes. And I was kidding. I even went to my teacher and was like, I'm really scared. And she was like, it's okay if you need to step out. And I'm just like, why are we watching this? But anyways, um, it's neither here nor there. But I found actually two really good um, Japanese lore. And one is very ancient and one is very modern, which I think is really cool, especially because Japan's so into this. So um, the very, the very first one, this ancient one is um, Hitobashira is a type of human sacrifice. And it was practiced in Japan up until the 16th century. So that is the 1500s. So um, construction workers would actually wall up live victims into pillars, dams, and other building foundations to appease the gods who would protect the building from enemy attacks. So there is a specific... um, lore of the human sacrifice in Maruoka Castle. Um, and this is uh, it's very beautiful. It looks kind of like what you might consider like a, a temple to some of us Westerners, but it is the Maruoka Castle. Um, it is in Sakai Fukui Prefecture. Um, I'm actually not entirely sure where that's at in Japan, um, but it is home to one of the most famous Kitobashira stories. Um, and one of the castle walls kept crumbling down during its construction, no matter how it was reinforced. So, as a last resort, the workers suggested making a Hitobashira, and a woman named Oshizu was selected to be the sacrifice. Um, so she agreed to be sacrificed under the condition that her son would become a samurai and, um, using her, the castle was built successfully, but the promise to her son, Oshizu or the, to her, Oshizu, her son, it was never fulfilled. So now every spring, the castle moat floods during the spring rains and they say it's the tears of Oshizu. Oh, no. Yeah. Can you imagine? And what's crazy to me is in the story, she sounds like she volunteers. Yeah, she's a volunteer, but but she's chosen. She's like, okay, just make my son a samurai. Um, I just, I can't even imagine. And I also wonder, like, do they build the pillar around you like you still have room? Or are you, like, 
like mummified. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I don't know. But so when you're going around Japan, it's possible that some of these ancient castles and temples and things had live people built into oh it God. to help reinforce so it. Oh. Yeah. So I'm sure that's where some of their ghost stories start. <laughs> you you do something like that, you're bound to get some residual stories out of it. Um the this more modern one this this is in the internet era um this is called the red room curse and um this was actually in the form of a computer pop-up and it originated in the 1990s so this was when personal computers were just starting to boom i mean not only in japan but probably everywhere um and none of us really understood how the internet worked so everything was kind of magical and (laughs) scary at the same time So this whole curse would start when um, a pop-up would appear on your computer screen when you are alone and it has a red background with the black letters in Japanese asking, do you like the red room? Mm. And when this would happen, it would be impossible to close out of the pop-up and it would be frozen on the screen. You're not able to escape like any of the windows like your computer windows when you're in the pop-up appears um, and all the doors and windows of your room will suddenly lock. Supposedly <laughs> your body will be discovered days later, dead in your room, surrounded by walls painted red with blood. Oh. The red room curse became popular in the dark corners of the internet after a 12 year old girl, Sasebo, Sasebo Nagasaki was murdered by her classmate. The murderer, who has remained unnamed due to being 11 years old at the time, was found to have a link to a Red Room bookmarked on her computer. What? So that got dark real fast. Um, yeah, so I, I wonder if that like the Red Room thing's still out there. Probably not because the internet has gotten so sophisticated, but... Um, they just don't want you surfing is what they... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but so that was happening in the 1990s. Oh my gosh, that's gosh, gosh, twelve year old. Oh my god, classmate, that just got uh. yeah, <laughs> that's scary. Okay. But um, yeah. that, I don't know for some reason the the whole pop up it just it felt to me very ring like because it's like you yes. just you know the ring you just happen to watch this video on accident. It's like oh this pop up and. We all suffer from pop-ups, so we know the feeling. But anyways, there's some fun Japanese lore. There's a ton of crazy Japanese lore. Oh, yeah. That that was nothing. That I mean, not even the yeah. tip of the iceberg. There's, yeah, way more out there. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. um, last is, one for you. Yeah, okay. We're Make la- it a good one. Last round. I'm going to bring it back to... Um, in, not England, what am I saying? Europe. I mean, I'm going to bring it back to Europe, to Iceland. Um, these are a lot more not scary, more so just like, I don't know, beliefs that the Icelandic people have, and they're kind of like cute. Um, okay, so in Iceland, if you do, well, now you're going, if you don't know, now you will learn that they're very, they have very strong beliefs in the existence of elves and trolls. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen the Rachel McAdams and <laughs> yeah. uh, what was it? Eurovision. Eurovision. Yeah. <laughs> you will learn. It's so funny. Um, but yeah. Okay. So elves and trolls, they're two different 
species, but they're kind of similar. They have some similarities. So elves, I'll go first with elves. Um, so 55% of supposedly 55% of the Icelandic nation believe in elves. But uh, as the article notes that the, these statistics might be off and might be influenced by the fact that denying the existence of elves is believed to bring very bad luck to your life. <gasps> dun, so, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why more than half. So you have to say yeah. it even if you don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, clever uh, clever way to keep clever. keep it all going <laughs> yeah um okay so the elves in iceland so just in european his not history european lore or i guess global lore i don't know like elves are seen as kind of like ethereal like i don't know beings but icelandic elves are its own thing um so icelandic elves they're no known as cool folk which hopefully they have pointy ears though yeah, I would assume so. <laughs> it's not specified, but I would assume that's kind of like in an elven caricature. <laughs> um, but Huldefolk, which translates to hidden people, and they live in enchanted rocks and cliff sides, uh, and they pretty much exist the same way humans do. They lead very human lives. Um, so it's you know, like they keep livestock, they cut their own hay. Wow. They have their own like fishing villages. They go and like Aww. pick berries and they even go to church on Sundays. Oh, how sweet. <laughs> they're so cute. <laughs> um, so they're pretty like, tame, not hostile at all if you don't like anger them. Uh, so, <laughs> but they are. And that's true of anything. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just saying like in relativity to trolls, I guess, but yeah. we'll talk about trolls later. So elves, they kind of lead their own lives. If you leave them alone, you'll be fine. Uh, but there are many episodes that people have stated that um, elf, elves are very territorial. So um, like the, I guess, ghost story-ish kind of like i'm not even gonna say, i was gonna say it's kind of like Kristen's first japanese um story but not really that dark at all so i'm gonna take that back um <laughs> so basically they're super territorial so there have been a lot of documentations of like icelandic contracting companies trying to build like these buildings or houses or whatnot um on like cliff sides or just on any kind of land and then they'll just like something keeps going wrong, like things fall apart, things are like stolen or things, something like that. And then the most recent incident was in 2015 when they were trying to build a new road through an enchanted spot um, in a lava field in Gal Garon. I butchered that. So after many failed attempt, attempts, um, the like their machines kept breaking down. A lot of the workers had suffered freak accidents. Uh, <clears throat> they kind of like attributed that to elvish territorial reasons. Whoa. So the construction company was forced to move the road and build it somewhere else to bypass the elven community completely. Could you imagine for a second in the United States if we tried to like say that? Like the Dakota pipeline, oh, like the elves are ruining it, gotta move it. People would lose their minds. Actually, I, what? No, no, there's this, there's some precedent to that. Is Do you there? remember when they built the uh which airport in Colorado? And um they built an automated luggage handling system? 
Okay. And it like ate all the freaking luggage. <laughs> and so they, I mean, it ate all the luggage. And I mean, it was a beautiful, it's about 20 years old. I can't remember which one it was. And, and what had happened was they actually had a bunch of, uh, they found, or the belief was, and I'm assuming it's true, that the uh, airport was actually built on a Indian burial site. Okay. So they actually have um, Native Americans come out and bless the land mm. so the airport wouldn't have problems. Wow. So, no, we, we have that we have type some- of stuff, you know, but it's just not, not as elves. prevalent. Not elves. <laughs> I almost ask. feel like... And and I could be wrong. I don't know the story of that airport, but I feel like when that stuff happens, it's like the general public who's kind of like, ooh, like it's the Indian burial ground. But you would never have like government officials be like, well, the Indian burial ground is haunting us. So it's but, the De- Denver International wrong. Airport. Okay, they had hmm. to actually had to have um, uh, the Indians come out and bless them, bless the land because they had so many problems. Anyways. I just remember when it was built because people were talking about, oh my god, this is so beautiful, such a beautiful airport. Um, we got it's state of the art. Um, I it even kind of looks like um, Native American kind of like TP kind. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's got those domes, and nothing. The first couple of years, it was just a disaster of an airport. So, huh. anyways, Yikes. okay. <clears throat> Sorry uh, to interrupt, but I had wow. to throw that in. It happens wow. here. <laughs> Good to know, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the elves in Iceland, um, clearly they have, like, no one knows where the communities are, clearly. So that's why you kind of just, like, guess. And then if things happen, you got to move your project. Uh, but in Eurovision, I don't know how, I didn't look super into this part. But in Eurovision, if you watch the movie, uh, Rachel <laughs> McAdams, she goes, actually goes to this cliffside where like supposedly there's an elven community and she'll like bring them gifts and foods just to like ask for them to help her like win the singing competition or just like to look after her it's really cute <laughs> and they, it's like built into the little cliffside like little doors yeah. and stuff so it's super cute yeah it's super cute um, okay so then moving on to trolls which are also big in Icelandic lore um, they're kind of like I mean, trolls, they also live in the mountains like elves do, um, but they live more in super like uninhabited areas. I'm, I was going to say most of what I'm saying is kind of based on what I saw in Eurovision. So let's, <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, trolls live like super in the mountains while elves kind of like you can see where they live. <laughs> I don't think that's true. <laughs> okay. Uh, but trolls, they're kind they're definitely a lot more, um, hostile so trolls the 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 stories of trolls they're usually used to um to tell like warn children not to like misbehave or not to steal or anything like that because the story is that trolls like the taste of flesh and Mm. they're known to lure unsuspecting humans into their caves with spells and potions and then just like take them captive so a lot of the stories are like children children's story what are they called like warning? fairy tales fairy tales thank you <laughs> there are a lot of yeah. um yeah they're they're like troll fairy tales just to like warn children not to misbehave um so that's one thing and then another thing about trolls is that supposedly they can only travel by night and once sunlight hits them they turn into stone 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why um, the Icelandic uh, land, or there's a lot of like rocks, um, big boulders, rocks in the oceans and things like that. And so they believe that those rock formations are a result of the trolls who got struck by sunlight and met their fate. And they are now this rock formation. Huh. Yep. Okay. Trolls and elves. Trolls and elves. That's a that's the name of my next band. I wonder how they feel about like the troll movie and like I had like the little troll dolls growing up with the little jeweled bellies and they were yes. lovable and sweet and your friends. So I, mean, I think what we there should have been more elvish, but I wonder what they think about our appropriation of trolls. <laughs> All right. Um, I am going to throw out, um, I wasn't originally going to do this, but I'm going to, uh, throw it out because Kristen, you've told such great Japanese stories. Have you guys heard about yokai? No, no. Okay. So in Japan, actually, if you have a chance, there is a podcast, another podcast that's not ours, but I, I encourage you to listen to it. It's called 99% Invisible, and they talk about design and those types of things. And recently, they do something on yokai um, in Japan. Um, long story, but what yokai is, is it's kind of an ambiguous kind of spirit in Japan, and there's hundreds of if not thousands of yokai. And the reason why they, uh, uh, yokai, these types of spirits, they're often mischievous or they're just, okay, that's interesting kind of stories is they were designed in the old times to explain, um, phenomena that people did not understand. So if for some reason your field flooded in Japan once a year on, you know, at this time, they would blame it on the yokai spirit of the region. That's why every year this area would flood. Or if something would happen negative or something that was kind of strange that they could not explain, they would develop a spirit to explain why that actually happened and it became so prevalent that throughout the country there were thousands and thousands and thousands of these types of spirits to explain un- un- understandable phenomena um now in the uh and it became a it just became kind of a known thing and so uh as time went so they are spirits of the dead there are all these different types of spirits um what makes this really interesting, and this is not as scary, I don't have one very specific that I'm going to talk about, was that there was someone who was a man of education and science. Um, Inoue, I can't pronounce his last name. Um, and he was an academic and a philosopher who didn't like the idea of yokai. <clears throat> and being an academic, he went around the nation and he actually documented all of the yokai that were in the nation the yokai, the story, and what they explained. And then he would go to that area, and then he would find a scientific reason of why your field Mm. flooded. Mm -hmm. And so he went across the nation, and this is like in the 1800s, and he started 
to explain all these phenomena. And then as time went by, the idea of yokai started to disappear in Japan um, and tr- became more legend and lore. But what's very interesting is now with kids, there's all sorts of new cartoons called things like Yokai Watch or like Yokai. <laughs> and so there's these kind of Pokemon things where this kid hangs out with a bunch of these spirits and goes on adventures. That's fun. So, yeah. So, I mean, look up Yokai um, and Y O K A I. And there's a lot of interesting Japanese stories about Yokai and from the region. Um, and then also check out some of the yokai watch stories about this kid running around and um, going on adventures with these dead spirits. So that's that's my huh. story. A short one. A good one. Cute. I like the um, the kid-friendly version that it became. <laughs> yeah, the kid, yeah, the kid is very much like like an ash kind of kid yeah. and he has this this big oversized kind of like g-shock watch that he wears on his wrist and this g-shock watch i think i'm not sure i can't remember anymore my kid used to watch it but like would he that's how he communicated with the yokai or something like that mm. so it was it, it was it's just a really charming little series and you know where this kid runs around and goes on these strange adventures and his friends are a bunch of very specific yokai and such. <laughs> and you guys are, you guys, uh, studio Ghibli fans. Yes. I like uh, Kiki's okay. delivery. Service. Oh my God. I just finished watching Kiki's delivery service. <laughs> I love Here. Kiki's delivery service. Um, actually I think Kiki's delivery service is based off like a Danish story. Really? I wouldn't be yeah. surprised. Well, you know, what's the other one? Ponyo is actually Ponyo. based off of... I love Ponyo. Uh, Ponyo is actually the Little Mermaid story. Really? What? Yeah, he takes other people's stories and adapts them like Disney. Huh. huh. So, um, Howl's Moving Castle is based off of a book series. Okay. Um. A- anyways, um, if you've seen the movie Spirited Way... Yes. Okay. No. <laughs> Okay. That was well, like the creepiest see, one. <laughs> it is the creepiest one. All those spirits that you see are yokai in that film. Huh. Yeah, so like they have like a spirit of like uh like a the, river like yeah. spirit. Yeah. Yeah, um no face? Yes. No face with the big mask. Those are all more kind of traditional Japanese yokai. Um but in in Ghibli form. So, Ghibli form, Ghibli form. Okay, enough about yokai. <laughs> so, I kind of wish we would have, like, maybe convened a little bit more, because my last story is also from Scandinavia and also about trolls, so I'm not sure it's worth telling, because it's, like, yet oh, another sorry. troll story. <laughs> no, 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 don't apologize. I'm just wondering if it's, like, not even worth it because we'll overdo the trolls um but it was basically like a denmark fairy tale that featured um, trolls are they (laughs) they nice trolls or are they no 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 very (laughs) trolls like um but you know one thing i will say is like how they really have pervaded not pervaded but they're still so much a part of their culture um one uh 
I was working with um, arranging a visit to Sweden for work, and we had to like make payment for the fair we were going to, and our our card, our credit card, like kept getting declined. And the, the Swedish rep was telling me, Oh, here we say that the trolls got into the system. So they're the one. <laughs> so like, maybe you should call your bank, but it could also be the trolls. And I thought it was like super cute. <laughs> so it's like still a thing that they reference and have. So I wish we had cute little guys like that over here. The puck if they were still around. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I got an extra one then. Okay. Go for it. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take yours over because I did the um the yokai uh just out of just at the last second. This is comes from the UAE. Okay. Ooh, Ooh nice. Okay, and this is a story about a jin. Okay, a jin mm. is the like genies. a genie. genie. The e- yes. but they're evil. Exactly. Yes, they're evil yeah. spirits. Right? Yeah. Cool. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay, and this is actually called um dua to duais. And it's a myth of like a deadly um, temptation. And it is a myth about a female djinn. And she is um, a beautiful, beautiful djinn. And typically she tries to seduce men, but I'm going to tell a different story. She seduces men and, and then I believe somehow they they die but also she exudes um like a beautiful she always smells just absolutely beautiful and like a perfume and just completely completely enchanting um and she uh apparently um some i think the name apparently has something to do with a certain type of killing knife or some kind of sickle that hmm. they used to kill mm-hmm. with. So that's where the name came from. But she essentially seduces men and then she gets them chanted and then she kills them. Okay. But that's not the story um, that I'm going to tell today. The story that I have was about a young girl and her job every day is to go get water with her friends and bring it back from the well. And one day, very, very, very early, um, a girl, there's a knock at the door and she goes to answer the door. She's very sleepy and there is a beautiful woman there saying, Hey, um, we, uh, all your friends are waiting for you and we are supposed to go. So we're, what's going on? Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the well. Let's go to the well. Um, let's go and grab some water. And so the girl kind of like, okay, you know, kind of drowsy. And she goes, okay, give me a second. I'm sorry I'm late. Um, I'll, I'll be right back. I'll go and get my, um, they essentially have some kind of water pouch, okay, a water skin. And then she comes back to the house, um, her own home, and she goes back inside really quickly. And then she suddenly thinks better of what's going on, okay? First of all, it's too early. She didn't see any of her friends and she realizes the woman who woke her up or the girl who woke her up was just, wait a minute. Why is she so beautiful? And why is so she's so clean? And it's just like her clothes were pristine. It's like, no, she's not someone who gathers water. And so she's like, she gets very scared and locks the door and on the door the spirit starts, the gin starts banging on the door Ooh. and begging for her to come out. And it's like, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then she realized that, you know, this 
was not one of her friends and she had accidentally left her water skin outside and this so she she runs upstairs into her bedroom also locks her bedroom and she continues to hear this knocking on the door and this crying is like and come and, and come out come out come out and it became increasingly threatening and then um so she just stayed silent and eventually she heard a tear and then uh, then as time went by, she didn't hear anything. She went back outside and this water skin was sliced. <gasps> so all sliced up. So the gin got so frustrated and angry, angry. She could not make the killing that she took it out on her water skin that was sliced to pieces. <clears throat> so, yeah. so that is the story from the UAE. Um, um, Dwice. Nice. So. <laughs> All right, Kristen. I yeah, got it. I so think... I'm going to make you. Cl- oh, I'm sorry. No, that's it, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to make you close because okay. you didn't. You didn't have a last story, is what I, I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. Well, in that case, um, thank you guys to our listeners for tuning in to legends and urban legends from around the world. Um, what do you guys think? Let us know on our social media channels where you can find photos of our adventures from around the world, interesting articles, perhaps some trolls, and more. Meet Us in Paris is the University of California, Irvine, Division of Continuing Education Production. If you need a career boost, looking to increase your workplace knowledge, or seeking a new profession, check them out at ce.uci.edu for their uh, professional courses. Once again, CE. .uci.edu and thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next time bye, bye.